1: Outkick 360, hour number two, across the Outkick network and with you. If you're watching on YouTube, on Twitter, we appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening post-show on the podcast, a quick reminder, you can download the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Just search out Outkick 360. And uh, also follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Outkick 360, for more content and and, and information on the show. J.K. Dobbins uh, with a bad injury, uh, we're... Two players collided on his leg, Um, he's carted off. Knew it wasn't good initially, turns out to be a torn ACL. He's done for the year. Uh, This throws a wrench, a big one, into the Ravens' run game. Uh, When you consider what they were planning on uh, versus what they have left, because they have Gus Edwards, who they had last year, he's back. Um, Tyson Williams is on the roster, as well as uh, Justin Hill, is a third string running back, a fourth string running back who I'm not even sure if makes the roster. But Dobbins now out. The question is are the Ravens and Eric DaCosta about to be on the phone today or tomorrow or as the rosters are set across the league after they scour the waiver wire, are they about to try to make a trade? Which leads me to think, okay, where could they turn to? Who, could, who would answer that phone call? My first thing right out of the First team, Houston Texans. I'd be calling for Philip Lindsay, uh, just to see what they could get in return for Philip Lindsay. Uh, Naheem Hines is also an intriguing one when you look at the the running back depth in Indy, and who may be available there. Uh, beyond that, it's a piecemealed situation, and it has been man, what a terrible training camp. All things considered, for the Baltimore Ravens, because you have Lamar Jackson. They brought in all these new receivers for him. Um, Jackson is on the COVID list almost immediately from camp. He misses a good portion to start to start camp. The receivers have been in and out. Now they have Dobbins who's injured. Just not good.
2: Dobbins was primed, too, you would think, for, for, to really take off. Um, Peter
1: uh, King had a great piece this yeah. morning on that where he, he said Dobbins brought up his collegiate days and said, look, I, I played at the same place as Ezekiel Elliott. I had more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott. Why can't I beat Ezekiel Elliott for the Baltimore Ravens?
2: And they're expecting their passing game to open up. I, I'm not yeah. sure that I'd buy that with Samuel well, Watkins, that, but they're at least why,
1: trying. Yeah, that's why it was going to be a big camp for Jackson and everyone involved. Um, and it got stalled. Uh, you, you've got oh, wow. Hollywood Brown who's dealing with an injury. I think it's a hamstring. I may be wrong. Maybe it's a, a calf. Anyway, for a guy who depends on his speed, it's not good. That, that much we know. Um, yeah, you're right about Sammy Watkins. But they block
2: well to run. And then They've the rookie, got a good running quarterback. The rookie's been hurt. And, and they should be able to bring in a replacement level back and get yards out of him. The two guys you mentioned are good, and they'll be backs cut who will fit what they're trying to do and And be able to gain some yards in that system they're not going to be J k Dobbins, but they'll be functional backs that can can supplement what they're doing in that system. They're going to hand the ball off a lot. there're going to be a lot of opportunities to run for yards in that offense They're hoping to back people off with the with the receiver. Uh, situation having improved with Bateman, with, with Bateman's Watkins. Hurt. Bateman's hurt, too. They've had a lot of injuries. <laughs> Hopefully, for them, they're getting them out of the way. I'm not a big Baltimore believer. I think they'll have a good regular season. I think they'll flame out in the playoffs, probably, as they've done two years in a row. They're going to break through eventually, you would figure. But, um, you know, very untimely injury, and makes the case for not playing your guys, like every time a big guy goes down does. It also
0: feels much worse because the Ravens have a really good roster and they have a quarterback who's really not good at passing. There's just something bigger about this injury. If J.K. Dobbins, who's a very good player mm-hmm. and a good running back, goes down in any other – if he's on any other roster with a quarterback that's proven themselves to be an elite passer, I, I give this a, well, that, that's a loss, but they'll be okay. Like you said, Paul, they'll have find another lead. runner to put in there and they'll be fine. It's not a desperate situation. You don't need to go make a trade. But because that Baltimore offense is so predicated on the run game, the two running back system with the quarterback running the ball also, this feels like a crushing blow to the Ravens. Well, and, I, and, and it's just, again, I'm talking about feeling and the way the roster's constructed. And I realize that they do have a good roster in Baltimore, and that should be a playoff team. This feels much worse for them, though, than it would be for other teams. I, I Am agree. I off there or do you
1: guys agree? Well, I I agree to some extent. Part of this, though, is because I would buy in if it's any other team other than Pittsburgh or Baltimore. Pittsburgh and Baltimore always find a way. Eric DaCosta is the general manager since taking over for Ozzy Newsom is 26-9 and nine as the GM. Um, he inherited a really good situation, but he's also added pieces around and restructured an offensive line a bit, um, brought in pieces defensively as guys move in and out. Drafted J.K. Dobbins, has tried to retool the, the the wide receiver core. Some really, it comes down to: Is Lamar Jackson going to be more of a true dual threat than just a single threat quarterback running the football? And, I'm a
2: seller on that.
1: You know, it, 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 how much improvement will we see? Because we haven't been able to garner much information from the preseason or from training camp based on the availability of all these guys.
2: Well, I think part of it's how much do you believe in Lamar Jackson doing that, and the other part of it is how much do you believe in Sammy Watkins being able to help him do that and Rashad Bateman being able to help him do that. Well, he scoffed
1: at reporters, and I I apologize if it was a national or local guy who asked him, you know, have NFL defenses figured you out? This was last week or two weeks ago, and he laughed. He was like, No. The NFL defenses haven't, haven't figured out the formula to stop this offense. Well, I mean, to some extent, they have. They got his first playoff win last year. I mean, it, we're not too far removed from him winning his first game in the postseason. It happened right here in Nashville. Um, but and we the also, defense
2: had a lot to do with sure, that. Sure,
1: yeah. And the, the defense is still offensive. intact. The defense is still intact. That's going to be the core of their team. But this is also an offense that two years ago was putting up 30 points a game. Through Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah, and then got to the playoffs and and bombed. that found a team that did kind of formulaically figure out what it needed to do against him, needed to force him to throw outside the numbers right, needed to stop them on a fourth down or two because they're very aggressive going for it. Look, I I think Baltimore is talented and interesting and good. I just think there's so many good teams in the AFC. And they're in a loaded division with two other teams that are very threatening and a little bit more conventional and can beat you in in more ways. And so I feel danger for them. And Chad, I thought you raised a very good point there. Uh, Losing your prime running back on an average team in a passing league maybe isn't such a big deal, but on this team it's a bigger deal.
0: Yeah, with most teams, you would just say, well, you'll negate that because, like you said, Paul, the other guy is going to come in and get yards, and it's not going to be an enormous drop-off. I think J.K. Dobbins is great. It's just it's the system that you're dropping out of with a really good running back that feels more impactful. And they don't have Mark Ingram. They don't don't have Mark Ingram there. Correct. And... But there is something about the Ravens organization that you feel like, well, they'll make anyone they'll can make a figure trade. it out. They'll
1: fit. They'll fit someone
0: in that spot. They will, and not just fit someone in the spot. They're going to find the right fit, right, right, at the right time, and be fine, and still be a playoff team. And some
1: upwards of 800 players are about to be cut across the league from these 90-man rosters, Paul, or 80-man now.
2: Probably a running back that they like.
1: Some, yeah, they'll they'll bring someone in, and then again, there, there will be running backs available on some teams that are willing to part ways with depth. Uh, maybe today, for instance, we'll, we'll see this. some teams that know they're going to cut a player will try to trade that player. Is there a running back out there in that situation where the team, instead of cutting him, will trade him to Baltimore trying to get something for a player instead of nothing?
2: Yeah, a young uh, a guy with less than four years experience who uh, Baltimore might like and not want to risk um, not getting on a waiver claim because Baltimore's pretty far down the pecking order as a, as a playoff team. So they're, you know, what, 26th or, or lower. Um, it would be interesting to see. Um, you know, waiver claims are never as big as people anticipate them being. What is it usually? Maybe like six guys as opposed to 26 that fans seem to expect it to be. Um, but there are teams at certain spots with certain people And uh, that could well be one of them. And if you have a guy that you think that they want, they're going to be the aggressors here and call. Say, hey, if you're thinking about releasing him, what about a seventh?
1: A lot to get into over the next hour and 45 minutes. We're with you until 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern. Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. We're going to hit all the headlines of the day, Tennessee Power Hour in 45 minutes. A lot to discuss there where the preseason ends without this Titans team playing their first team offense together. Meanwhile, you can say, well, the, the plan was not to play Ryan Tanhill, and he wasn't available because he's on the COVID list. We did see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen both take the field in preseason game number three with their respective offenses. It was important for Kansas City to play their starting offensive line and have Mahomes protected by three rookies in the starting lineup for Kansas City. Meanwhile, everything hinges on Allen in Buffalo, and he took snaps for that offense. The two top teams in the AFC going into the regular season played their top talent. The Titans did not, and we'll compare those decisions some that were available to Tennessee others who were not and whether or not it ultimately matters in a couple a handful of days uh, less than two weeks as the NFL season kicks off uh, a week from Thursday with Dallas and Tampa Bay kicking things off at Raymond James Stadium
2: one nugget out of Nashville where they're trying to get COVID under control Uh, amongst a lot of vaccinated people who are testing positive. Nate Davis now, who's missed a lot of practice, their right guard Mm -hmm. has been added to the COVID uh, COVID list. So some of these guys are going to take 10 days to get out of it. That could be a starting right guard. If he takes 10 days to get out of it until he's officially non-contagious, that goes into the practice week for their season opener. And the Titans could have some guys now who in this little COVID thing they've got going out is no longer a little COVID thing. It's cutting into practice time for their season opener. He could also get two negatives in 48 hours and be back.
1: And right now, that means two starting offensive linemen are on the COVID list here in Nashville with Davis and Ben Jones also on the COVID list. Both
2: of whom have also been hurt and missed significant camp time. Uh, Coming up, Chad,
1: have you ever heard of Bishop Sycamore High School? I'm pissed off, Hutton.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm irrationally angry about this story. And I was uh, angry the moment I read the headline and started to read what the story is about. And there's only one side of this to be mad at. And I'm going to explain what side that is when we come back.
1: Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Outkick 360 live from the 6th and Peabody Studios in Music City with Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer live every day 2 o'clock Central 3 p.m. Eastern each and every afternoon right here at 6th and Peabody this building this studio right behind the Music City Center in the heart of downtown Nashville Chad where is Bishop Sycamore located?
0: Uh, somewhere in Ohio. Uh, last, I, last I checked, look, here's the story. They're at home, right? <laughs> like they're, an online school? They're, yeah, it's a charter school for homeschool kids as far as I'm concerned. Here's the story, and we're going to show it to you right now. This is at OutKick right now. And let me get through this before I get too angry. And I don't know <laughs> why I'm so mad about this. I guess because I worked in high school football for so long. Uh, stories from Joe Kinsey. Uh, I know some other people had it as well, but you can read about it at OutKick. It's real simple. ESPN made the decision, as they do before college football starts, to carry these high school football games. Well, they featured one on Sunday between IMG Academy, who is an elite powerhouse nationally, that is basically a football and other sport vocational school. They're great at baseball. They're great at basketball. They're great at everything. They take some of the best athletes from across the country. They put them in a makeshift school, and they go out and dominate.
1: They played here
0: two years ago against Ravenwood. Yes. So IMG Academy played something called Bishop Sycamore from Ohio. And the story goes that ESPN agreed to air this game on ESPN. And during the game, Tom Luganbill, who is the color analyst and a long-time, get this, high school recruiting scout expert <laughs> is confused because Bishop Sycamore, they could not confirm the D1 recruits that were on the team. And about 10 minutes left in the second quarter says he now fears for the safety well, was of Bishop Sycamore because of how bad they were yeah. and how bad they and looked their next depth, to their lack of depth. Academy. It
1: ended up being a 50 point blowout.
0: Now ESPN is bemoaning that the coach lied to them <laughs> and scammed them into, covering the, into carrying this game. <laughs> they were duped. This is a ridiculous claim. ESPN has 4,000 employees. They have 6,000 employees, 1,000 worldwide. ESPN relied on a marketing company, a third-party marketing company, to schedule high school games for them. And apparently, they just take their word for it and say, okay, we'll spend the money and send a crew there for this game. And they don't do any research on it. Of the 4,000 ESPN employees, there's a saying that goes, if you see something, say something. Not one person could put Bishop Sycamore Ohio football into the old Google machine and see that they were 0-6 a year ago and average losing by 33 points per game, and that maybe this is something we shouldn't do. Well. Tom Luganbill, college recruiting expert, couldn't look at that game and see his schedule with ESPN before it happens and say, Guys, why are we going to watch IMG Academy play a team that went 0-6 a year ago? And also, they c- claim they have D1 recruits. I'm not seeing anything on the old internet that says they have D1 recruits on this team. This is a total failure by one side of this. ESPN, this is a mammoth company that decided to send their cameras to a game to watch a complete blowout, and then they claim halfway through the game, guys, uh, we didn't get a complete roster from them. We may have been duped into this. Ridiculous. Act like you care about something instead of allowing a third-party marketing company to schedule a game for you.
2: It's awful. Shouldn't the recruiting expert just in glancing down the roster say, well, I don't recognize any of these names, so I don't know who they're being recruited by at the D1 level?
1: Well, it, it, it was to me, it was a glaring, like he was screaming that he's upset over being duped. It's also a glaring admission without saying so that they showed up to call the game without doing much prep. Yes. Uh, involved here. Also, a quick Google search would also allow them to know that Bishop Sycamore played a game Friday night and then turned around and played yesterday. Within 48 hours, they played IMG Academy on ESPN.
0: Now, I do almost want to go back and watch this broadcast start to finish to see like when they start to say, boy, this isn't what we thought. Are they getting names wrong the whole time because they didn't give them the accurate roster? It doesn't matter, though, because all it took for this not to happen was to one search and say, guys, this is not going to be a good game. I know we want to get an <laughs> IMG Academy game, but they're, they're playing better teams as the season goes on. We could go somewhere else. I saw where Oakland played a game on, on ESPN over the weekend here in Murfreesboro locally in, 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 Mid- in Middle Tennessee. They could have done so many different things other than airing on ESPN a scam game. What does that say for ESPN and the care in which they go about putting out a product? And if you're Tom Luganbill, and I didn't even bother to look up who the play-by-play guy was, whoever this is, at what
2: level are you just taking paychecks and doing nothing? Well, he was good, the play-by-play guy. In what I heard, the initial tweet I saw was somebody giving him credit for calling out his own company, saying, uh, because uh, the clip somebody recorded off TV was him kind of saying like, I don't know what we're doing here. This team is not on equal footing. Uh, We were told, you know, now I'm with you on your overall complaint, Chad, but he was saying we were told this team had, you know, division one recruits, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm seeing here indicates that that is not the case. Um, And, you know, I, I'm I'm unco- I, I'm basically him saying I'm uncomfortable with what I'm watching and what I'm seeing developing here. Now, whether he did his prep before that or not, I give him credit for saying on ESPN's own airwaves, this isn't a good development. What's going on here? For which he probably takes some backlash. Me knowing how but the he ESPN experience works. he doesn't have the right
0: works. to say that unless he
2: typed in Bishop Sycamore
0: in Google and told his bosses that beforehand. I mean, he's clearly part of the problem. And here's the problem. People just take checks and they don't do anything in return. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'll take your check. I'm not going to do any research. I'll show up. I'll be there and be the voice of it. Someone has to speak to their boss and say, hey, guys, do it in a respectful way. This is a terrible matchup. I started doing some research on this and we should not be there. And before it even gets to that point, someone at ESPN has to know
2: this is a scam. I think that's all fair, but having not done that when you get to that point, Still takes uh, something to to say on ESPN air what he said on ESPN well, air. Look, maybe I so I give him some maybe I'm overly emotional
0: about this because I spent years covering high school football and know the level of work it takes to do your own research on teams. Yeah, because coaches don't help you out a lot of times. Schools won't help you out. There's not accurate information everywhere. They sure as hell should be it helping. It pisses if you're me on off that someone at ESPN that relies on interns and production assistants and everyone else to do their job for them doesn't have the foresight to do a little bit of research on their own and figure that out. And who are the production assistants and the executive producers and everyone else that's a part of ESPN's high school football package that allows this to happen? I think
2: that's all fair.
0: Someone should get fired for this. And I'm not usually saying that about a a job, but whoever made this, first off, Paragon Marketing, I think, is the company, the third party, they should never be hired by ESPN to do anything ever again after this. Sounds But someone who made this decision, and maybe they made the decision and realized two months ago what they had done and they decided to push through the production anyway, it's still wrong. And maybe they knew going into it, that's what happened. And maybe they, maybe these guys, I, I welcome them to let us know if Tom Luganbill watches this clip and decides, Hey, this is where you got it wrong. I told them two months in advance and they still decided to do it fine. But if that doesn't happen, this isn't completely irresponsible. And there's only one person at fault. Don't blame the coach that lied to you. Don't blame anyone else but yourself that you were allowed to be the fool in this whole story.
2: Well, the coach shouldn't be the one who's telling you like exactly what you're saying, who's telling you if it's legit or not. It's not it's not who you rely
0: well, on. The coach is a is a, you know, not a moron because he successfully fooled a company with 4000 employees and got a game on ESPN. So good for him. But I mean, the, the coach is not a good guy in this either. No, whoever's selling his kids game playing twice
1: in 48 hours. And they're allowed to do that because they're not governed or sanctioned by the Ohio high school athletic Commission Committee, or whatever. Yeah, like it, there, there's no board that sanctions Bishop Sycamore football uh, because they're a charter school. And what so are no,
2: these parents doing letting their kids play tackle football twice in, in two or an, two and a half days I mean, or whatever I, it was?
0: I'd like to see a more thorough investigation by someone into the school. And you know, I thought ESPN was a news organization also. You think they could probably have done the research beforehand and know not to air this game. But now at least maybe they've sparked something to where we're going to find out more about what's going on with this team that's allowing their kids to play two games in 48 hours. Um, the whole situation is a mess. And I think the reason that this uh, triggers me so much, to use a popular word today, is because it's, it's indicative of more laziness. That's it. In the profession more than anything else. And uh, I've hung out with Tom Luganbill before at SEC Mita Days. He seems like a nice enough guy. I've admired his work in the past. I know he's a former Georgia Tech quarterback back in the day. He's done a good, uh, good job in recruiting. But I do not want to hear from Tom Luganbill or anyone on this broadcast about how they got inaccurate information from a coach before the game.
1: You know what it sounds like? So from a marketing angle here, it is extremely easy to put IMG Academy on the screen. You, you want Anytime, them right? you want them on the the score ticker you want them on the billboard and the the channel guide because they're a national brand for high school athletics and that, that goes for really any sport I mean if you're if you're a college football fan a basketball fan you know of IMG Academy you also know of Bishop Gorman one of the top high school programs out west in Las Vegas now Bishop Sycamore is not Bishop Gorman that much we know but if, you're a, if you follow recruiting and you see the name Bishop facing IMG Academy, you're going to at least click on that program to see what the score is. If, if you're a recruiting fan uh, for, for college sports, because if you're in the top 25 of college athletics, chances are your school's recruiting one, one player on that team and you're just following along. That's what they're going for. It was very easy to book IMG Academy There was an open date on the Sunday program at ESPN. IMG Academy was willing to play. And Bishop Sycamore was willing to play 48 hours after playing on Friday just to get the check
0: from ESPN.
1: And Chad, I've
2: got you down now for a Christmas present. Bishop Sycamore hoodie.
0: Yeah, here's another (laughs) problem with Bishop Sycamore. And this is from Kevin Clark of The Ringer. Says, uh, this is a completely wild story. And it's worth noting that there appears to be no human named Sycamore who was a bishop. And, you know, being the actual bishop in a name is typically important for is Catholic the, schools. Is the coach There is no real? such thing as a Bishop Sycamore. Uh, there's no Catholic bishop named Sycamore in history. They're just
2: making it up. Is I mean, the, it's a pretty good operation for a made-up. We deal. had a fake high school
0: game at a
2: previous the show. The Lene Game is, of the
0: Week. This is the type of fake name I would come up with. Uh, is a Bishop Sycamore, bill, not, bill, not no, being Catholic it, and real. not knowing the names of all the bishops, I wouldn't know that that's not actually a bishop. But this school not only did that. So not only of the 4,000 employees that are supposed to know football at ESPN didn't know this, apparently all the Catholics that okay, work at ESPN so didn't know there wasn't a Bishop this Sycamore. This was called, which well, is even more damn you not going
2: to know all the bishops. That's like knowing all the priests. There's a lot. But... Here's the question. we called it the Lanay Kakua High School game of the Week. He gave me three games in Tennessee. I don't know most of the outlying areas or some of the inlying areas. And I would have to identify which of the three games was real. He would give me a little description of, you know, Bobby Jones is coming off his 300yard passing game. So had I judged this game fake, would I have been correct?
0: Uh, Yes. I think by the rules, you would have been correct. We would have to have gone back. The game actually happened. The game was actually on a schedule. See, it's difficult.
2: This is just the sort of game we were looking for in that contest.
0: I just, I'm really, I think, sick and tired of laziness. Sick and more in time. At certain times. And I feel like um, a job of that level should be taken more seriously because ESPN is a big job. And when you were on ESPN, in a job like that, you can't look at it like, oh, I'm calling some little high school game. You're doing a job for ESPN. You get to be, this is more of the the privilege part of it, right? I'm allowed to be on television calling a game. I would hope you would take your job more seriously because I know plenty of people who call high school football at, at different places all over the place that are just as good or better than these broadcasters at times that would love to put forth the work and effort to call a high school football game on ESPN. And when I see people that are lazy and don't do their research on it, it really makes me mad because I know of other people that would love to have that opportunity. On And that goes for any network that's covering a high school football. When I see laziness this level, by and this is not just on Lugan Bill and the play-by-play guy, this is on multi-levels of ESPN that this allowed to happen. When I see that level of laziness and thoughtlessness, it bothers me because I know a lot of other people would kill to be in that spot.
1: The SEC today announcing their COVID cancellation policy going into the season. Of course, Tennessee opens the season this Thursday. We'll be live from Knoxville and details on that coming up. Uh, The SEC says if a team can't play because of COVID, that team will suffer a forfeit loss. However, if both teams are unable to compete because of COVID, both teams will suffer forfeit losses. And just to go into more detail here, and Chad hit on this a bit last week. That's crazy. um, Any direct financial loss on part of the school that was able to play uh, a canceled event may be submitted for consideration for reimbursement subject to approval of the SEC Executive Committee. And if both teams are unable to compete due to unavailability of participants, both teams shall be deemed to have forfeited the game with a loss assigned to both teams applied to the conference standings. So uh, that's huge here as well. Uh, And also the, the penalty of the monetary aspect of this chat is also glaring because of the TV contracts that are involved, so many games guaranteed for these networks. If you're the school that prevents the full schedule from happening, you're going to owe the SEC some money.
0: They're gonna take that money out of your allotment. Whatever that, the equivalent is for that game on the schedule, that's wiped away, they will take that out of your check that the SEC gives the member institution. Um, do we wanna talk about this now or after the break? Because I, I've got, do I've got a Do we think lot this
2: holds if Alabama is one of these teams yes. and a loss in Alabama's well, column okay, keeps them out of the right. national championship picture?
0: Good, good question, Paul. Alabama's got one player that's not vaccinated in their whole roster. Yeah,
2: but you can still have this going on like the Titans do right now. Great. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Then how is that right? It's not.
0: Well, the difference. Then why are we doing it? Well, okay, I think you should have. But this here's is, the thing. I don't think is, either team should get a loss I, This is, is what teams. bothers me about it. The push to vaccinate everybody it, because we want to have football. Vaccinate because we're going have football. Well, vaccinations aren't causing you to have football. Josh Heupel at Tennessee announced that he's got over 80% of his roster that's vaccinated. Tennessee, by vaccination, will never have to cancel a game because of that. They will have 80% of their roster that's vaccinated. So if you're going by vaccinated players, they're never going to have to forfeit a game. But because you can still get it, if they're going to test... Even if you feel like you could go out and play if you're vaccinated and have it on Saturday because you're treating it just like a, a cold and you would play with or that. Or you have zero symptoms. You have zero symptoms or, or low level symptoms. I mean, people play with low level symptoms and sick things all the time. Even if you wanted to go out there and play, they wouldn't let you. So, how is that the kids' fault? How is that the school's fault? So now we're going to take a hard line stance. Hey, Alabama, you got all but one person on your team vaccinated. Hey, old Miss, 100% of your team is vaccinated. But because they went to a party and some other kid got them sick and they still got in and ran through the whole team, we're going to punish you and you're going to forfeit because of that.
2: Help this help. Help it make sense. Help all of this make sense for me. Well, the only thing I would say in terms of helping it make sense to you is, in UT's instance, you're protecting the 20% who are unvaccinated is how they would look at it. So So you're
0: you're punishing Tennessee now, though, for protecting the 20% that are unvaccinated. That's the SEC stance on this.
2: Technically, yes. Right. So but if you're Alabama and you have one guy who's unvaccinated or if you're the, you know, take it to the NFL where the thing might be different. But if you're 97 or 98 percent vaccinated, then it doesn't make much sense because. The whole operation is keyed around the two guys who aren't vaccinated. That's who you're protecting. That's why I say if you could just get everybody, if you have 100% vaccinated, then I say there should be no concern whatsoever and you should be allowed to do whatever you want. I
1: because agree. there's nobody the in your is, locker
2: room that you're protecting.
1: But the problem is they're testing the vaccinated
2: players once a week. Well, at that point, you shouldn't be testing. I agree. Uh, uh, Well, certainly not in an NFL locker room where it's insulated. On a campus, I can understand. What are the SEC campuses where everybody's got to be vaccinated? In that regard, I wouldn't have a concern. I think
1: of the age and the vaccination status. I mean, unless you're symptomatic, you shouldn't get tested,
2: period. I I would agree. We all might have had it, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I I don't know. I mean, because we haven't
2: had symptoms. Right. (laughs) And and I don't know why it's a concern if you haven't had symptoms, except protecting somebody else who's chosen not to get the vaccine. And at that point, I I, look, I don't want to get somebody else sick or seriously sick. And I'd like to do what I can to prevent that. But at that point, it's on them. I think so much of this, too, is just no one wants
0: to back away from their prior stance. And a lot of these protocols and the push for vaccination across not just pro sports, but. College sports is predicated on getting vaccinated will prevent um, widespread breakthrough infections. So you get vaccinated, you're not gonna get it, right? You may get it, but it's not gonna be a problem.
2: Not gonna send you And
0: that's still the case, right? You get it, odds are you're not gonna have any severe symptoms, you're not gonna be hospitalized, which is a good thing when you're vaccinated. But they weren't allowing for breakthrough infections but now that we're seeing breakthrough infections, they're not coming back off that stance because the NFL has said, well, now we need to go from every two weeks to every one week. And I, I'm seeing that thing. And this is insanity or even more because it's time. like you're trying to cancel your sport, your own sport at that point. It makes no sense. And I don't know of I mean, let's take Auburn as an example, since we're talking SEC. Auburn is a place where you've got the head coach who, let's face it, he's anti-vax. He's not saying it outright but he's saying it in every other possible way that he's not vaccinated. He has to wear a mask. He got COVID-19. He's not vaccinated. He's saying he's never going to tell his guys to get vaccinated, right? That it's their choice. I would say even Auburn's probably at worst at 70% vaccinated. Auburn could still play games based on vaccinated players if you weren't testing the vaccinated. But now that you're testing the vaccinated, it's no holds barred. Everyone, is in jeopardy of missing a game well, based so the, on an outbreak? The
1: question is, how often are the vaccinated players getting tested? Um, and the 85% threshold that was, you know, thrown out there at the SEC media days. Do we know in college? Um, I, I've read different opinions, and it's conference to conference. Uh, but the different places say it's weekly during the season. Uh, others say it's much more relaxed, uh, but they don't give a specific... Timetable of when players are tested if you're vaccinated, if you're at 85% threshold in your locker room. Uh, the, the answer should be you're not tested unless you're symptomatic. symptomatic. Unless you're showing symptoms of COVID 19, you are not tested because you're setting yourself up for a COVID outbreak for asymptomatic players who otherwise would not have been tested and who are vaccinated to reach the 85% limit. Uh, that that the conference has set forth. That's the one area that's a very gray area right now with what has been reported through Brett McMurphy and others uh, because they're discussing the cancellation of games and how the uh, the SEC's not going to move LSU and Alabama to later in the year if uh, something like 2020 happens in 2021. They're just going to forfeit for that team that caused that game to be canceled but the question is, what would cause the forfeit? Yeah. Is is it due to vaccinated players testing positive? Sounds if so, like. they're going down the
2: wrong path. Sounds like. I also think it's very punitive to give two losses, say, instead of like a cancellation or just a, a, a tie. I, I don't know. Two losses seems harsh. Here's, here's the one rationale I could think of. This is Devils advocating this. Devils advocating this is a kid with symptoms or even a pro player trying to make the roster with symptoms isn't gonna come forward to get tested, which is what Mike Vrabel did at the start of the Titans problem is, I have a sore throat and I'm not feeling great. I suspect I might have COVID, I'm gonna get tested. But if a Titans player who's on the fence for their 53 feels those symptoms, what are the odds he's going to go get tested? What are the odds a college kid is gonna go in and raise his hand to the trainer and say, I need a test. That's the only rationale for having an every two week test. But then again, if you're gonna, you have to know if the guy has symptoms or not. And the only thing you could do is trust somebody to tell you because if one guy has symptoms and 19 don't, they're different.
0: Yes. Well, and it, it went from last year when the Titans had the outbreak, there was a lot of finger pointing from everywhere across the country about, well, they're not doing the right things because they got sick. And then there was a lot of defense and there should have been from a lot of people saying it's a virus, right? You know, it's going to the virus is it's going to happen. People are going to get a virus. That's that's the definition of a virus. It's, it's going to spread at some point. You can't blame the person who gets it. To now there's a lot of blaming people that aren't vaccinated for getting the virus and then not really talking about the vaccinated that get it and just moving along and being okay with guys sitting out for 10 days, even though they're vaccinated and they have it and they have no symptoms. And we've been put in a very weird predicament from a sports perspective of how we carry out games and how we view the virus because of that. Because I think that people went into it with a false pretense that getting vaccinated was going to prevent you from getting the virus and everyone's going to be okay to now we're seeing – even though you're vaccinated, people are still getting the virus widespread. I'll also ask this question. Like how many people haven't had it at this point in sports that are around a large number of people all day, every day? When you combine last year and now, mm-hmm. I mean, that percentage has to be going down to people who don't have natural antibodies from it, from getting it, either vaccinated or unvaccinated. I just don't know how you pinpoint
1: the, the team that followed the protocol set forth by the conference in the offseason. season. Not just the off season. Last month, set forth last month, that you're now going to institute a forfeiture of games if an outbreak goes through your your locker room, when these guys are going to class on campus, uh, when you're allowing uh, a, a packed stadium, you know, it, it just it, it, it makes zero sense. Uh, except on the financial end, where they're trying to cya to make sure that these games get played and covered from the network contractually and if they're going to have these rules in place they should have at the very minimum i I don't agree with the rules they should have at the very minimum allowed flexibility within their schedule to reschedule certain matchups that's i mean that 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 makes all the sense in the world they want to reschedule lsu alabama you think they wanted to reschedule tennessee vanderbilt last year no no
2: What's their, also, like? what's their rule about testing out? Is it two negatives in 48 hours like the NFL? Is,
1: it's, again, it's conference to conference.
2: Yeah. So w- we need to know what the SEC's plan is there. And then you'd like some sample size of like, um, and I don't think a common person in America is, is, is doing that. I mean, you're probably just no. waiting the 10 days until you're not contagious, right?
0: I mean if I'm a coach in the SEC, I'm advising my team in private to not get tested unless you're on death's door. If you feel if you feel like you've got some symptoms, you stay in your dorm. Right. And you go remote with clients. Yeah. but we're not we're not going through this close contact testing. Because if The way it's worded, you it's very well you don't have, have to a close vague. contact
2: room, te- well, NFL-wise, you don't have to close contact test if you're vaccinated. So my, that's one way my out. My
0: message would be If you were a close contact in that same meeting room with that person and you're vaccinated, then just be alert if you start experiencing symptoms. But if you are okay and you're dealing with everything, fine, don't worry about it.
1: Well, in the NFL, you don't have to be a close contact, but yet there were reports that the Titans were testing everyone last week.
2: More frequently because of the outbreak, yeah. And now
1: you have more players who tested positive that are likely asymptomatic. Yes. Who are vaccinated that are yes. on the COVID list and now yeah. have to wait at, at the maximum 10 days before they're going to rejoin the team. Yeah. Otherwise, under, underneath the NFL policy, they would not have had to be tested for, Two for weeks. contact tracing because they were asymptomatic.
2: Yep. Round and round, round it goes.
1: Uh, it is. It's, it's crazy. Um, also crazy, the Mets... <laughs> Oh, this!
2: Uh, the, you were hot about the the ESPN football game. I am hot about this. <laughs> hot.
1: We discussed the Mets, who released a statement saying that fans are allowed to boo. That this happened yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that's next on Outkick three hundred and sixty. Outkick three hundred and sixty live from the sixth and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville. Paul, the Mets. Well, they,
0: so... Paul's Mets.
1: (laughs) They're giving the thumbs down to fans as they reach base. Uh, Like, back-channeling and going back on fans who were booing them in previous at-bats or previous games. And the Mets, through their general manager, had to release a statement stating, in fact, that, yes, Mets fans are allowed to boo. That is their right as a ticket holder... They can voice their displeasure however they would like to. They can cheer or boo sitting in that seat no matter what our players think is necessary or warranted. And
2: we're gonna talk to our guys about their gesturing. This, (laughs) I I told my wife last night, if you told me without a name attached that a team was doing this, I would say it's the Mets. (laughs) This is very Mets-like. This is the biggest example yet of the babyfication of athletes in America or in the world. So these guys, Javi Baez, who, by the way, I, I believe just played his 17th game as a mat. I think he doubled, and he got to second base, and he stood there, and he went like this. Like, uh, you boo me when I do bad, so now I do well, and I boo you.
1: Yeah, it's thumbs down to fans who are cheering him for reaching base. Yeah. yeah.
2: This is kindergarten logic. You boo me when I do bad. Now when I do well, I boo you. Get it? Get it? I saw this when my kid was in a Montessori school. This is some of the logic (laughs) that they would kind of sort through. He's 11 now, he's past it. I mean, give me a break. The the booing is stressful to them, they say. I mean, have you not had a life as a baseball player up to this moment? Are you unfamiliar with how sports work? People pay money, that money kind of turns into your salary in exchange for your salary, particularly in New York City, when you do poorly, it's not that much fun. And when you do well, it's great! It's unbelievable, people adore you. It's the way sports work, it's what it is. You are this soft that you have to boo back at fans?
0: I love the visual booing. You know, you can't boo. Yeah, you can't hear me, so I've come up with an alternative. Thumbs down when I get to second base. That's the funniest part of this. Uh, The Braves are big winners in all this because that division continues to just collapse around them. Yeah. And the Braves, with their injury problems, really have no business winning that division, but it looks like they're probably going to do that. There's still a lot of time left. Crazier things have happened, but... I mean, I think that the Braves, if they go on to win that division, says more about the loser mentality of both the Mets and the Phillies as organizations as it does the Braves being any good team. Also, you're in New York. Like, they're going to boo you when you're very good.
2: Yes. I mean, there's no better, there's I mean, no worse place to lose. Not there. There's just no better started? place like, to I'm win. thinking, like,
1: you're just now noticing this? And and also, don't we hear
2: athletes all the time say they don't hear stuff? Like, when I get up to bat... I uh, silent. I'm so focused. I don't hear a thing. <laughs> uh, apparently not Javi Baez. He hears everything. What is that? A, yeah. Do I hear a, a bird? Or, <laughs> is, there, is there a, a hummingbird a, yeah, a out bird. in left field?
0: Well, that's the thing. It's the lack of mental toughness that it shows that you don't just block it out, right? I mean, you're going to hear the boos like they're human. You know, when you're getting booed, but you, you just move on. Right. You have to overcome. If you're a highly things. paid professional athlete, especially.
2: Overcome. Overcome, Paul. That's imagine, how you become a hero. You're imagine overcome. being
1: the the executive or the media relations director or the manager, whatever, whoever that has to now deliver the message to the players.
2: Uh, guys, hey guys, uh, hey everybody, hold on, attention, <laughs> attention, guys. Hey, just for a second. Um, yeah, the thing where we're doing the thumbs down <laughs> boos to the fans. Yeah, we're we're gonna stop that. Yeah, and if you're doing that. Listen, it used to be the thing that guys really liked was playing time. So if you do that, we're going to take away your playing time. But unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if that's going to bother you. Because it seems like you'd rather not play for fear of getting booed. <laughs> but can... we're going to try it. We're going to try it. So if you boo, we're going to sit. You
0: <laughs> can you imagine the uh, going through the different gestures that are allowed when you yeah. do something like you, you can do the eating do this. thing you can when eat. you get the second or cheer people on, but this go with the bat flip the if you'd pod. like, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, or
0: you could even Weak. get them to boo louder, you know, like you could do like kind right. of fake Egg mocking, like let's go
2: let's, yeah, here, let's go, let's get it, let's go, come on, let's uh. go. Coming no middle up. fingers. I can hear you. Yeah, just so you know, like thumbs up are okay, thumbs down are bad. And don't do anything with the finger between these two fingers. Nothing. Up, down, sideways. No.
1: <laughs> coming up, we get into the Tennessee Power Hour. Titans preseason games are thankfully behind us as we look forward to the regular season. We saw Justin Fields on display. We'll give thoughts on that. Uh, roster decisions coming up. Uh, the, the, the fan experience at Nissan Stadium continues to be very bad. Uh, we'll get into those uh, topics and much more. And the Tennessee Volunteers and Coach Josh Heupel. It's game week. They've named a starter officially at quarterback. We'll go through the depth chart that was released, the unofficial depth chart that was released today with the Media Guide. That's all straight ahead in the Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360.